Hello, and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Today, we are going to talk about everything you ever wanted to know about recruiting with Jack Kelly. Jack is the CEO, founder, and executive recruiter at one of the oldest and largest global search firms in his area of expertise. He has personally placed thousands of professionals with top-tier companies over the last 20-plus years. Jack is passionate about advocating for job seekers, and in doing so, he founded a startup company, WeCruiter.com, at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. The mission of WeCruiter is to help people in need and make the job search more humane and enjoyable. As a proponent of career growth, Jack shares his insider interviewing tips and career advancement secrets as a senior contributor for Forbes. He also covers timely topics related to corporations, high-profile people, Wall Street, politics, and other important matters. The pieces offer insights into the news regarding how it may impact your career. Jack is joining us from Westfield, New Jersey. Jack, welcome to the Career Builders Good. Podcast. I think I should leave now. Right after that, that was so awesome. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I can do any better. I, you know, we're I done. Think I should just go. All right, <laughs> leave after this. That sounded great. What an intro. I love it. That's fantastic. Thanks. It's always the hardest part of the show, making sure that I don't trip over my tongue. Yeah. Because you want, you don't want to like offend the guests and say something that. You know, exactly. It's like, wait, no, that's not me. You're reading it from somebody else. Totally. Yeah. I'm awesome. going to leave that in, by the way. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah. We're really excited to have you here. And so we'd love to hear a little bit more about your career to date and what brought you to where you are today. So that's a good question, uh, Lisa. You know, recruiters is interesting. It's no one really grows up and says, you know, I want to be a doctor, an astronaut, a baseball player, or a recruiter. <laughs> doesn't fit in. And I think with a lot of recruiters, and I, I'll, get, I'll get some hate for this, but a lot of recruiters just fall into it. I think you try a bunch of different things and you might say, hey, I want to help people. And you think it's a way to help people. And before you know it, you, 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 you know, fall into it. For me personally, it was interesting. I always wanted to have my own business. I'm not really sure why, but I always had that as an aspiration. And um, I met with a recruiter at one time in my career. And the uh, guy's name was Peter Gay uh, from a, a firm called Taft Associates. And he was like, hey, Jack, why have you ever thought about being a recruiter? And I did it. I wasn't on my radar at all. Uh, and what was interesting is that I thought about it. And as fate would have it, I had a, a buddy who I was working with. And he says, hey, Jack, you know, my good friend who I grew up runs this search firm in New York. And I recognized the name of it. It was a really good, well-known big shop. And he said, I'll, I'll introduce you. And this is what's so great about networking. I'm like, okay. So I go, I go over to this place and it's really nice. So look, you know, I look around, it looked pretty cool. Everyone's working there. Mm -hmm. I met him and he was a super sweet guy, really down to earth, really normal. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this guy can do it. And he just, you know, he seems like me, like a regular dude. And if he could do it, I could do it. And I went back and told, told uh, my wife, I say, hey, you know what? This is something maybe let's, maybe I could give it a try. Maybe I could, you know, replicate what he's doing. Yeah. And, and that, yeah, and that's it. I gave it a shot. I started working with this guy, Peter, and then branched off and started my own company. That's amazing. And now you have Recruiter. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah. And that's, that's something totally different. So that's really during the beginning of the pandemic, I figured, well, let, let's see if we could do something to help people, not just mm -hmm. people who like, 
for recruiting, I specialize in a certain area, I specialize on Wall Street. And then within Wall Street, compliance, legal risk, these are people keeping it safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I figured, hey, let's see how we could help other people out. So we started this social media platform where it's all about just helping people. We weren't charging and we'd give them career advice. Um, we'd have these we meetups, you know, these Zoom call meetups where it'll be like an AMA and we'd field whatever questions they have, have give them pointers and so on. And uh, it's it's been really good. I mean, we've had a lot of people who uh, received job offers from there who got great new jobs. Uh, a lot of people who just were able to commiserate with others. So they didn't feel like they're going alone. And it's, yeah, it's been a really cool thing. It's, it's one of those things that you could look back, you know, five, 10 years later and you think, hey, what did I do you know, during the pandemic? It's like one of the things I could point to and say, hey, I'm really proud of that, mm-hmm. you know, we just really helped a lot of people in need. Yeah. And it's a great example of seeing a need and dealing yeah. with a difficult circumstance and growing something out of it. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. Let's, um, can we talk a little bit about just sort of recruiting as a concept? It seems to be a bit of a mystery for a lot of job seekers out there. There are a couple of broad categories, two broad categories of recruiters. Jack, can you dive into them a little bit? You know, it's, it's really interesting. You bring it up because, you know, for years, you know, almost up until recently, up until the pandemic, um, I guess maybe because being in New York and dealing with all mid to senior level, you know, professionals, they, they know the deal. You know what I mean? They're familiar with what recruiters are, what goes on. But then when I started, you know, we launched Recruiter and we're helping people at all levels, you know, from young people right out of college to, you know, older people who might be retired but still need to work, um, everyone in between, is that a lot of them have no idea, you know, what a recruiter does, what's good or bad. But then like a lot of different professions, there's all these kind of things that you think about the, you know, you attribute sometimes some negativity to, and there's a little bit of, hmm, what, what's, you know, wh- what am I dealing with? But to answer your question is this, you have different kind of, you have something called retain search. And what that means is that's usually the C-suite. So that's like, you know, the CEO, the chief financial officer, and generally those are retained searches, which means that, um, the company will go out to a recruiting firm and just select one recruiting firm. They have that job, they're working on it and they'll place the pre, you know, that person and they'll get paid for it. You have contingency, which is the vast majority of recruiters are contingent recruiters. And that is like a dog eat dog world. It's really disgusting. It's horrible. What happens is this, and I do, I do contingency recruiting a lot. It's, so you'll have a company that will go out to, let's say it's RBC you know, World Bank of Canada, and they'll say, hey, we need somebody to do, in my case, you know, do uh, something called uh, anti-money laundering to make sure people who are banking with RBC, they're not violating the laws, they're not kind of hiding money, they're not a front for some terrorist or mob organization. And the compliance people will watch out for those. So they'll give a job, so they'll give the job to me, they'll give the job to you, Michael, I give the job to you, Lisa, and then maybe a few others, They'll recruit for itself. They'll post on LinkedIn and Indeed. Now, the thing is, the recruiter has to get that best candidate before anybody else, because if you 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 know you could put in a ton of time, get a you could end up sending ten candidates to the company, and if they don't select your candidate as a winning one, you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. So there's just a, you know either either you got the right person or you just spent all your time for nothing. And I, the reason I pointed that out. For people, it's so important because 
by knowing that you by knowing the financial incentives behind it could really help you in terms of your job search, no matter what level you're at. And if you get a recruiter who's constantly nagging you and bugging you and stalking you, it's not because he or she's a weirdo. It's because they realize, hey, if I could place Lisa, because I think she has all the background experience they need for that anti-money loaner job, I could place her. The company's going to be happy because she fits. She's going to be happy because she, you know, even if she's like elite, uh, resistant at first, because she's getting a really good job and the recruiter's happy because they're going to get paid. If a recruiter blows you off or ghosts you, really what they're saying is this, is that, hey, Mike, you're not right for the job I have now for that RBC anti-money laundry role because you don't do that. And if I spend too much time with you on it, I have all these competitors going for the right candidate and I'm going to lose out. So I got, I got, a, I got a bolt. I got to jump and get back to finding that person. Now you're going to be left feeling, what a jerk. Like, why is hmm. he blowing me off? And then that's, there's, that's where I think you have sometimes this friction going on because people don't understand the relationships. And a lot of times recruiters, it's their own fault because they don't explain it. Like if they would just say to you, hey, Mike, you're a great guy. I love your background. I love your experience. However, for the jobs I have right now, your background doesn't fit. So I really can't help you. Because mm -hmm. here's another thing with recruiters that you should know is they predominantly work on the jobs that they have so that if let's say Lisa says, hey, can you help me find this role in advertising at a fashion agency? She could put a gun to my head and I can't do it because I don't have the context there. I don't know that business. I don't understand the business. I don't know the people. So I really wouldn't be able to help. So I think sometimes people feel they go to a recruiter, hey, they could just help because a recruiter, it doesn't really work that way. They're really prisoner to whatever jobs they have at that particular time and could help those people out. That's a great point. That's a huge insight. And I know I've worked with a lot of clients who have expressed very similar frustrations to what you're explaining um, because they don't know the other side of it and the financial incentives and how it works with the, the positions that are open and yeah. what they're able to do. So I think that like, that is just a huge insight. Right. For me. It, it yeah. makes, once you, once you, once you figure that out, then it all makes sense because think about yourselves. Let's be frank. You know, you'd be nice and honest with people because you're Canadians and not New Yorkers. <laughs> so you'd be very pleasant with people and tell them what's going on. But most times, you, you know, they don't realize it. Like, why is this person pestering me? Why is this person keep, you know, annoying me to, to take this job? They, they don't realize, oh, okay. Cause they're going to get paid a nice, Get a fee, and usually the fees could be 20, 25% of the base annual salary, sometimes more if it's like an executive level one. So there's a big financial incentive if you find the right person to really push and push and push to get that mm -hmm. person to go and interview and get the job. Whereas if they don't have the right background, it's like, hey, I, I got to go. I got to <laughs> move on. See ya. Yeah. So for someone who is an in-house or a corporate recruiter, they don't have those same kinds of incentives. And so their behavior is a little bit different a lot of the that's, time. See, that's right? a great point, Mike. That's because, because that's another type of recruiter, the in-house recruiter. I, I would say like external recruiters um, are like the hunters. You know, you're going out there and you're trying to track them down. And internal, they're like the gatherers for the most part. And they're going to be mad at me saying that because it just doesn't sound like cool say you're a gatherer instead of a hunter. <laughs> so they're a gatherer where, you know, think about it. If you're Google, imagine how many resumes come into Google. Imagine how many resumes a day come into Amazon and Apple. 
Facebook. So they're like, a lot of them are sifting through. Now, to be fair, a lot of them do reach out and try to find people as well, but it's a combination. And sometimes it's much easier, think about it, because if you would get a call from Google to say, hey, Lisa, do you want to work here? That's going to take on more weight than if I'm calling you for Google to work there, because you're going to think, hey, Google's calling me. I'm, I'm going to get back to them. So they have a little advantage that way. They get paid pretty much no matter what, whether they place or not, but there is a pressure because if they can't find people and place them, they may not keep their job for long because their boss will say, hey, listen, I, you know, I love you, Mike, but uh, you're not getting anyone hired here. And yeah, we, you know, we got to fill seats because the hiring managers are freaking out that they're not getting their seats filled. You got to do something. So they do have their own set of pressures, but it's different. It's different because then also a lot of the internal ones, and this is, this, this might help out the people, you know, from your audience is that um, the internal HR people, a lot of times they have to juggle a lot of different balls. So they're not just doing recruiting, they're doing benefits. They have like any corporation, their meetings, you have to have meetings about having a meeting, then you have to have a meeting after the meeting to talk about the meeting. And so they're busy. So you're wondering why isn't that HR person getting back to me? And because they're juggling a lot of different balls. And then also there's a lot of bureaucracy on their side, because if you have let's say a relatively young HR person, let's say 25, 26, 27, what have you, they can't really call the shots for the most part. So they got to go up the chain to say, hey, what did you think of Mike? You know, and have that and so on. So it'd be, they can't really just make the decision. Okay, Mike, I like you. We're going to bring you in. We're going to hire you. They got to kind of go up and up. So it takes a long time to get through that whole process. That makes total sense. Yeah. And I think a lot of people may not initially see the difference between those two kinds of recruiting backgrounds, but the more, you know, I think, like you said, the more yeah. you can kind of leverage recruiters as being part of your, your job search. There's another one. Can I, ask, can I throw yeah. another one? Cause another one, which totally. is more of if people who work on these kind of gig assignments or contract work, which is more, I'll say staffing in the sense that um, these be short-term assignments, midterm, you know, mid, type of assignments where you're going to work in a company for a certain thing, work a certain project, and then it'll end and move somewhere else, um, which it is what it is. And sometimes if you're in between jobs, that could be pretty interesting. So rather than maybe staying home, collecting unemployment, you know, you take on some sort of short-term thing, you learn some new skills. If this was pre-COVID, you get out there and meet new people in person, but then you could also meet people via Zoom and what have you. So, so that's something that's interesting for people to look at too. Or if you graduated from, you know, just recently graduated from college and because of the economy, because of the pandemic, you can't find that perfect job. That might be something to look into, you know, to find, can you, you know, get some kind of gig type work, some sort of contract kind of work to get your foot in the door, to get to mm -hmm. know what it's like to make some connections. And that definitely might be worth investigating. And, and I could understand a lot of people who are gonna hear this are gonna say, hey, I, you know, I just spent a fortune on my education and I really want whatever that job is. But you know, it, it depends on how bad things are. You know? So mm -hmm. if it's still kind of tight, it might make sense rather than just waiting for that perfect job, take something in between. Because then also you have something to put on your resume. Mm -hmm. So you could say, hey, here's what I did during the pandemic. I did X, Y, and Z. You could try something that might even be a little different. And you may end up kind of saying, hey, you know what? Even though I went to school for this, I really like this thing I'm working on now. Maybe I, I, I should do more homework on it and go into that field. So it gives you some options. That is a really sort of underrated and 
under revealed approach to finding a way in like to, yeah. to get yourself started in your career. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you bringing that to light because that is not something that gets a lot of attention. I also just wanted to bring up another point that I've had. I have some recruiting friends as well, and they've talked about how difficult it can be when candidates also ghost them. So candidates often are frustrated that they've been ghosted by a recruiter, but it also happens the other way where a candidate will just have an offer in front of them and they'll say, oh, actually I found another job on my own. And all of a sudden the recruiter's left with nothing. So there are some challenges there I understand as well. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. In fact, I think, I'm, uh, um, I think I'm writing about that this week about ghosts. I wrote before, but it's just, just pernicious. It's not going away. If anything, it keeps getting worse. Um, and I, I imagine everybody in your audience knows who ghosting is just you know, kind of started with relationships and goes to the business world where, you know, you just don't answer anymore. You just, mm-hmm. you know, act as if like nothing ever happened, walk away from the situation. And it, it's, it, in my, my opinion is this, I think, I think it's, a, it's I, I don't know how it's in Canada, but here in the U.S. over the last, you know, few years, it, it's been so uncivil, incivil, whatever the right word is. It's, you know, people have been just so rude to each other. Um, we can't talk to one another. We fight, we argue, we yell at each other. It's, it's a really very ugly, uncomfortable kind of situation. And of course I'm generalizing it. Not everybody's like that, but enough where it's very uncomfortable. And I think we've come to this place in society where we just don't care about other people that much. And so if it's easier for a candidate to not say anything and just disappear, they'll do it mm-hmm. without feeling any guilt or remorse. On the other side, a recruiter may feel the same way, saying, hey, you know what? I really don't want to tell Mike he didn't get the job because then he's going to say why and I got to an answer and it's uncomfortable. So I'm just going to ghost him. And it's, it's, it's terrible because you, you end, I think what happens is that not to get too deep on it, but then it just creates this really toxic culture because then you feel, okay, I got ghosted. So the next time you're in that situation, I'm going to do it to somebody else. And, and then it becomes the norm, mm-hmm. which in terms of the whole recruiting and hiring process is is antithetical to how it's supposed to work because the whole idea in terms of the of the of the hiring process is that you need those you know the conversations because you want to you know the hiring manager wants to know the candidate the candidate wants to understand the hiring manager you know the candidate wants to understand the manager's boss colleagues because before they make a decision to work there they really have to kind of get involved and if you cut off those communications, it's so hard to really know what's going on. And then when I first started recruiting, giving feedback was just so normal. Like, let's say Lisa was at, you know, her AML job in accounting and then, you know, was going to interview for another role. You know, I would get feedback from the hiring manager in which they would say, okay, Lisa was really good at this, but you know, she could be stronger in that. So maybe she should work on it. And then she and I would kind of work on what to do. Then they say, hey, you're going to meet with Mike next week. And here's what Mike's all about. You know, he's a big, you know, he's a big soccer fan. And maybe talk about that and give little tidbits so you could do that. And over the last few years, I've seen kind of a glaring absence of this. I mean, you still have some, but not a lot. And that makes it so so much harder, I think, for job seekers because you're not getting that flow back and forth of information. And, and the reason I'm bringing that part is because that's not ghosting, but it's part of that whole, that whole vibe where 
we're not going to be that caring about your feelings. We're not going to be that caring and sensitive to, to what's important to you. And instead of helping you, give you these tips, you go interview and see what happens. And, and I, I think that leads to a lot of frustrations with job seekers because they end up like, they don't, what happened? What's, did I do something wrong? Did I not? Um, did I say something bad? And without any feedback and getting ghosted, they're left in the dark. Like, how can I improve if no one is giving me this advice? Yeah. You know, so it's right. But I would suggest to people, if you're in this position, my take is this, and this is kind of an aggressive approach to take, is that if they don't get back, I would kind of just push for it because I would go through this calculation. Let's say, you know, you're interviewing this firm and you're getting ghosted either by a recruiter, an outside recruiter, an inside recruiter, and you're not getting the feedback. You have nothing to lose that. So you might as well kind of push it, but I would be polite though, you know, because if you go in demanding, even though you're in the right that you want to get this feedback and information, but if you come in like a jerk, you'll be the bad person. So what I would suggest is something like polite persistence that like, like for instance, let me, for, for people who, you know, who are going through this, let's say Lisa's the hiring manager, we'll role play here. I would say to Lisa, Hey, you know, send an email saying, Hey, thank you so much. It was great meeting you. I really, I love this job. I, I think I'm the right person for the job because, and I'd say why, and um, I know you're busy, but can we talk, see what happens. And then maybe if you don't hear back, maybe you leave a phone call saying the same thing, but really positive. You don't want to hear in the voice, like you're angry or ticked off. Hey, Lisa, I, I'm not sure. You may not have seen the email because I know you're really busy, but I really love the job. You know, I want to see, am I still in the running? Can we still move forward? See what happens. If that doesn't happen, then take out the big guns. Then I would go, you know what? Find out on LinkedIn who your boss is and then go to that, your manager and, and not go and imagine being all like Karen. And I should say that because my wife's name is Karen. So like go Karen and say, hey, hey, Lisa's not getting back to me. Go and say, hey, maybe you can help me out. You know, Lisa and I had a great relationship. I haven't heard from her lately. So I hope everything's okay with her. Um, I really want to know about my candidacy. Because I, I, I love the job, love the firm. It, can you help me? Is there anything you could tell me about it? Am I still in the running or not? Because the worst that happens is they say, oh, yeah, we hired someone, right? It, it's tough to hear, but at least you know. Or maybe they'll say something happened. You're like, hey, Lisa's been out. Oh, my, she had a, whatever, and she was out of the office. Or the, you know, the one person that Lisa re, uh, reports into, they've been on uh, vacation. Like, oh, okay, now I know. So I think, in, the, in my opinion, and it's, it's easier said than done, and I, I, I get that, but in this kind of environment, you have to be in control of your own life and your own career because nobody's going to do it for you. It's definitely colder, it's harsher, but I'm not saying that to be negative. I'm saying that actually to be empowering so that, you know, when you go through these things, you don't have to feel like a victim. You know, you, 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 know, you want to be, you know, the champion of your own cause. And if you don't hear, you don't get, if you get ghosted, don't let that, you know, break you and make you think badly about yourself. It's them who's being rude, not you. And you have every right to push back and push back and push back to find out what happened and to get the answer. And if a company, if you do that, keep doing that, they don't get back. You know what? Then it also might be, you know what? If this is the company, this is how they are. This is how mm -hmm. they treat people before you even working there. You know what? Maybe then after, but, but I would say you try a few times and if it doesn't work, then it might be say, you know what, let me move on to a company that has some compassion and has some empathy. That's a great point. 
Huge. Yeah. You've reminded me, I appreciate your comment around, especially the idea of just taking responsibility for your career and polite persistence. There's a great Brian Tracy quote. Uh, I know the guy has come out with a lot over the course of his lifetime, but one of them is persistence is a measure of your belief in yourself. And so I think that That's the more quote, people, like yeah, this yeah. Is good, especially for people who are out there on the job search, it's, it's important. Like your persistence, if you're not going through after following through with people, what does that say about your belief in yourself right now? And could you look at yourself a little bit differently and then act differently? So really thought provoking. You know, I, I would suggest to people who watch, you owe it to yourself to do it. You know, you owe it to yourself to give it a shot, to try. I mean, it could end up where you try and push for something and it doesn't work. Okay. But at least you could wake up, look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm proud of myself. I, I, you know what? I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. I didn't feel comfortable doing it, but I did it. And that's all right. And then if it works and that's even, of course, that's even better Then that's tremendous, but you owe it to yourself. And I think if you have that attitude too, if you go into the search that way, not with an arrogant swagger, not with that false confidence and bravado, but just have that polite persistence, respect your time and yourself and believe in yourself, as Mike said, and then just keep going for it and keep trying and don't give up. And sometimes when you get ghosted, it's not, they're not saying no to you. Really what's happening is like right here, right now, it probably doesn't fit. Doesn't mean you're mm -hmm. bad. It doesn't mean you're not a good person. It doesn't mean you don't have the right skills. It could just mean right here, right now, at this point in time, your, 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 the stuff you have to offer doesn't fit exactly what we have, which it would be nice if they said that, but that's probably the real reality. And instead of mm -hmm. the company telling you that or sending you an email or a text, they don't say anything, but to help decipher what's really going on behind the scenes, that's really what it is. And you don't take it personal. Yeah, so we did a, an episode last week on the inner critic, and this is sort of your inner critic coming out and creating a story where there shouldn't be a story. So Absolutely. thank you for bringing that up because now people can create a new story. It's so true. It's because like, if you don't hear back, then you're thinking the worst. Because I can't tell you as a recruiter how many times I'll hear somebody after an interview and they're going to go through, oh, I should have said this and I said this and they beat themselves up. I'm like, no, stop, stop. <laughs> you did the best you can. You know, you gave it your all. You know, that's cool. Don't, don't kind of beat yourself because it's so easy to like, oh, I should have done this, should have done that. But who knows? Yeah. You know, so, so it's, you can't. Because like also if you kind of allow yourself to just keep having that monkey brain criticize and criticize, it's just going to be harder and harder for the next interview. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have to, uh, again, I've said this a couple of times already, but I can't reinforce this enough. You have to just brush these things off. You have to develop this thick skin and let it bounce off of you um, because that's what it is right now. And the more you do it, and even the more you get rejected, but the more you move through rejection, the stronger you're going to become because then you can realize it doesn't kill you. It doesn't defeat you. Because you know what? You wake up in the morning, the people who love you still love you. Your friends are still your friends. The, the sun is still out, except if you're in Canada, probably not. <laughs> but, but you know what? You, you'll feel like, all right, well, you know, it didn't work, but everything is still going on. I'm still here. I'm still in the game. And that empowers you to keep moving forward. Definitely. Powerful stuff. So what are some of the main benefits of working with a recruiter? Um, that's a good question. I, I would say... One of the best benefits is this. If let's say, I know your audience spans the gamut from 
you know, relatively young starting out to, to wherever it may be. Uh, one of the key things is this, you want to find a recruiter who specializes in what you do. Because if you just get any old recruiter, that probably won't help. Because as I kind of gave that example before, if I'm trying to help, Lisa needs me to help her in an advertising fashion thing, I just don't know enough about it. I couldn't be of help. So you want to find somebody, not because a friend tells you, oh, Mike's the best recruiter, take Mike. You want to find someone who's the best for you. You know, let's say you, you graduated with an accounting degree. You want to find somebody who focuses on accounting. And let's say you live in Ottawa. You want to find someone and want to stay in Ottawa. You want to find an accounting, a couple of accounting recruiters who, you know, place people and have contacts in Ottawa. So this way, that recruiter is going to know hiring managers. They're going to know the company. They're going to know the culture of the company. They're going to kind of understand how they're going to know how much they could pay. They're going to probably maybe know some of the people personally there. So then when it comes to the whole interview process, they could be your eyes and ears about what's really going on and, and tell you how to avoid pitfalls, you know, tell you who, what to do when you meet with this person, what to do when you meet that person, um, give you expectations of what you could kind of earn, not the salary that you think you could earn, but like, what's the reality that they really pay? What's the culture like? Then it, then it goes through to even when you go and negotiate a salary, it's so much nicer when you have somebody who can negotiate it for you um, because you don't have that awkwardness in that now you have to negotiate with your soon to be manager and you don't wanna come across too pushy because you don't wanna be like a jerk, but then you don't wanna not get paid what you're worth. So if you have somebody who is in your camp, who's advocating for you, and, and this goes back to the financial part of it, the recruiter wants it to work because if the recruiter isn't gonna make this happen, he or she's not getting paid. So. Mm -hmm. She's so the recruiter is going to work really hard to get this deal done, if nothing else, for their own financial rewards. But then what happens? Good recruiters also they feel like they're an agent, you know, like they feel they really want to help, and they have big egos, so they want to be the one to get you that job and have you succeed. So there's that element too. So you have that recruiter who can help you kind of negotiate that salary and and let's say because sometimes a lot of firms they'll lowball you. And I'm not saying that, that they're bad people. It's a game. You know, let's just take, you know, let's say they know it's budgeted for a hundred thousand. They'll kind of say, all right, here's, you know, we'll give you 70,000 and they want to see if you bite. And then, you know, some people may just say, okay, thanks. But let's say if you have a career, say, Hey, I know you want to offer Mike 70, but I understand like, you know, based on other people we place there, usually this could be and here's like games like recruits, but it's, it's really like 120,000. So why 70? And then maybe you could kind of come to an agreement of 105 you know, mm -hmm. or 100. So you have someone who can really kind of pitch it for you and make it happen. That's a huge benefit. It's, it is huge. I know that you and I, Jack, we'd spoken on a call kind of leading up to this recording a few weeks ago. And I use the example of like when I bought the condo that I'm in now, I went through my real estate agent mm -hmm, exactly. who's my negotiating intermediary who was able to be the bridge between us as the buyers and our sellers so that it wasn't creating a head-to-head -head conflict. And, uh, you know, you're able to be a really big, you could be a pretty big bulldog for someone in their place because the emotion is not really ab my, play, ab right? Absolutely, right. Because like you get caught up in the emotion. It's like, I can't tell you how many times I'll hear candidates say, where they didn't go through a career and they went on their own, which is fine. But 
they'll be so and you can hear like when they'll replay it that they're so mad because they thought they should get 150 and they were offered like 140 or 130 and like how dare they and instead of trying to negotiate it in a calm way they take it personally as a personal affront and then it all falls apart and then mm -hmm. or, or if they do try to negotiate then they're coming from a place of being angry and mad and resentful and then the other side is like oh wow i don't know if we want this person this person is like a powder keg what's what's going to happen if they don't get their way you know at the company they'll go berserk thanks but no thanks so yeah having that person because like you could have lost that condo if maybe you got ticked off like hey you're trying to rip me off you know because i'm a young guy that you're trying to make me pay more when i don't have to and, and you know what i mean and get so angry that you mm -hmm. just walk away where if you had that real estate person just go to bat for you it's such a difference huge yeah. Huge difference. It makes your life because then you could tell the because then you could be the big shot and say, okay, here's what I want you to do with a real estate <laughs> agent. I want you to do this, that, the other thing. And then you kind of <sighs> sit back and wait for them to do work their magic. And it's exactly yeah. And, and it makes it much easier. Jack, you've kind of hinted at this a little bit in that certain recruiters have certain specialties. They might know certain companies within a particular vertical. They might even know certain people personally. Are there other things that sort of delineate really good recruiters from just the okay ones? Yeah, I would do this. Like, so let's say you're two, three years out of school and you think about a job. Maybe you go indeed and see, do you notice a recruiter, a couple of recruiters that post a lot of jobs in your space? Then cross-reference it with LinkedIn and say, huh, is there a recruiter that you notice post a few jobs in your area? So now you make it a calculation like, okay, so far so good. Then maybe you ask your friends and colleagues, hey, who did you use? Who do you know? And if you, that same name pops up again, that's a good starting point. Cause then you feel, okay, you know, I'm getting different data points, how this person, this recruiter kind of fits in with who I am. And then you could reach out to that person that recruited to help out because now you feel, okay, they kind of gonna get what I'm about and what I'm doing. So. The way you want to conduct your search for a recruiter is really to find somebody who could understand who you are, what you do, what you're about, knows that marketplace, knows the people there, and then could champion your cause. So that it's asking around for people, looking on LinkedIn, looking on Indeed. I could give a shameless plug to recruiter because we have a recruiter directory with about 10,000 recruiters. So go there. Heck, you know, forget about all the other ones. <laughs> They're terrible. You could go. You could go look at recruiters, recruiter directory. They're awesome, and not biased at all, by the way. Uh, so, so this way, yeah. So this way, you can kind of find it because and then also you kind of see if are you compatible? Because there are all kinds of you know different recruiters. Like my style, as you could you know we talk about, I'm I'm pretty low key. I you know I'm very aggressive in trying to get someone a job, but I'm not going to be a jerk about it, and I'm not going to you know I'm not going to I'm not going to like berate a job seeker if they don't take the job. So you want to kind of get the feel for that person to see, hey, can I, can I work with him or her? And I'm not saying it lightly because like any person, because recruiters are really sales or, you know, they're salespeople in a sense. And if you get in the way of a salesperson making commission, you're, it's like, like getting in the way of a, a tiger. You know, trying to get its <laughs> meal. So you don't want to be stuck with somebody who turns out to be just just horrible. Like Mike, you you maybe had a good experience with your real estate broker, but I'm sure there are a lot of real estate brokers if you don't want to buy that house that they've shown you 10 times, 
that they just go ballistic on you or they just become you know really mean and nasty. So, so I would definitely, even if the person seems to specialize in your area, knows your space and all that, if you just don't feel compatible, trust your gut. It's great you know, advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just say, hey, thanks, but no thanks. And just try to find somebody else to help. Cool. Yeah. Makes total sense. Have an openness to it. I like it. So, I mean, if you were helping someone, Jack, kind of, um, if they wanted to get in touch with a recruiter and start to use a recruiter a little bit as a greater part of their overall job search strategy, what would you say to that person to kind of put them on a path where they're going to have more success working with a recruiter? That's a great question. I would do this. Key is, and and, and this, this holds true, whether it's a recruiter, like an outside recruiter, whether it's an, uh, an HR talent acquisition at a company, or this also holds true if you're networking with other people so that you know, you're reaching out to people who you know or a couple of different degrees that you're reaching out to. You wanna, number one, you wanna be able to have your elevator pitch. You know, elevator pitch kind of sounds like really, it's like the term networking, it sounds kind of icky, but it is what it is. You wanna be able to have something that if someone asks you, what do you do? You know, hey, I'm Jack Kelly. I'm an executive recruiter, CEO of a search firm. I've placed thousands of people over 20 years, specializing in compliance, legal risk, and audit at all these major investment banks. Boom. You know what I mean? It's something that you could just, 30 seconds, you could articulate what you do. Then you want to take it what you want to do. So, okay, now I'm looking, you know, my business has been focused in the US. I really love to do what I'm doing now, but do it on a global basis. So I'm looking to do the same kind of work, placing legal compliance, risk, audit, AML people. However, I love to place people in Canada, in the UK, you know, in Australia and other, other firms globally. And I don't speak any other languages. And I barely speak English. So I just want to focus. That's why on Canada and Australia and, and, you know, those kind of places. And, but, and you know what I mean? So this way, whoever hears it, they're like, oh, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I completely mm-hmm. get what Jack is trying, you know, what he, what he did and what he wants to do next. Um, I would also add in, depending on the conversation and how well you're getting to know that recruiter. And again, I would say this is the same, this would work the same with an HR person, with someone you're networking with, to share also what kind of compensation range you have. So they have an idea because a lot of people have no idea. They like, they won't know that you're, you know, some people will think, oh, it's, it's, it's John and he's probably not making much money, but if you dig deep, you find out, oh my God, he's making a fortune. So you really got to ask. And conversely, you might think this person, so they think so high, you know, you see this kind of person, oh, they must be making so much money. And you realize, oh, they're, they're not. So you also want to do that so they could find the right title and the right compensation too. So, the, so yeah. So if you're, so what you're doing the first is to practice your elevator pitch. An elevator pitch is really just giving who you are, what you're about, and what you're looking to do. Not your whole backstory, what you did in middle school, you know, nothing like that. It's really like what you've done recently, your achievements, then what you want to do next, and show how they could help you. You know, because they can't help you if they don't really know. So you want to kind of do that. So those are kind of the keys to doing that. Um, but then I would ask for the recruiter to make sure, hey, does does that make sense for, you know, so I have this 20 years of compliance recruiting experience. I'm looking to do it now global. Is that what you do, Lisa? Is that as a recruiter, do you specialize in that area? And then see what you say. If you say yes, then I would say, oh, okay. If you don't mind my asking, like who else have you placed? Or if you don't comfortable giving a name, what kind of people you place, where have you placed them? So then you want to gauge, is this person for real or not? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it sounds cynical, but you got, you almost, you know, you got to kind of do it because you want to make sure 
that person can really, you know, give you those results. Because a lot of recruiters could just say, get the resume, throw it against the wall, hope it sticks and that's it and not care. And so you're going to be wasting your time. You want to find someone who you feel, wow, that person really, they, under, they understand me, they understand the market, and I think they could really help out. Does that make sense? Does that? That makes so much sense. Yes. Yeah. I loved your point just around yeah. if people don't know you clearly, then they can't really help you. And your own elevator pitch, when you just yeah. kind of rang it off, like it was no big thing because it's yeah. probably something you've Because that's done, what you want to do right? too. You want to make it where it's just like, hey, here's who I am. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like just boom, that's the way it is. So that whoever's listening, it's almost like a commercial, <laughs> not a cheat, you know, like a good commercial where you look at it and go, oh, all right. Hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to look at that Tesla. All right. That's, you know, it's interesting where it catches your attention and you need that because that's a mission critical thing. Cause if you can't really articulate what you want to do, what you have to offer, no matter how you interview, it's going to be rough going because then they're like, why am I going to pick you if I don't really understand? And this even goes deeper. This goes into your LinkedIn profile. This goes into your resume. You want to make sure that whoever looks at it, the light bulb goes on and go, Oh, I get, you know, what Mike is about and what he wants to do next. And I get what Lisa is. So then they could help you. Otherwise it's, yeah, it's going to be really tough. Totally. Yeah. If you confuse, you lose. Yeah. Say. <laughs> Donald, Donald Miller. Yeah. yeah. So sort of along those same lines, what makes a great candidate and how can people self-advocate a little bit more in the process? You know, to me, it's, it's a great candidate depending on the kind of position that they're looking to do. So that to me, a great candidate might be someone who has all the skills for the particular job I have, but it could be different for another recruiter and another recruiter, another recruiter. But I think the skills I have to have is that if it's a really good question, because this goes really deep in a way, the challenge I've seen with a lot of folks lately is this, they particularly, this is, this happens, I could I don't know for the younger people in your audience, but I can tell you for the more older people in your audience is that they'll say, Jack, I've been you know, working for 20, 30 years and they'll kind of give a list of all of them. I've done this, that, the other thing. However, it doesn't relate to the job at hand. Hmm. And they're just saying it, I've done this, I've done this. So because I've done this and I put all these years, I should get the job. And that's not what they want to hear because they want to hear, okay, we have a job description with 10 points. We want you to have 12. We want you to you know, really know it so you could hit the ground running. And I don't care that you were a big shot in 1973. It doesn't relate over, you know? And it's not ageism. It's just like, okay, do you do what they need to do? So I think for a candidate, when you're looking at a job, for the most part, and I'm, I'm generalizing, but for the most part, they're going to want somebody who could come in there and hit the ground running. So whether it's speaking to a recruiter, whether it's speaking to a, uh, an HR person, whether it's speaking to a friend, someone who can get you in the door, you want to be able to show how your background, how your experience really works for that particular job. So people will help you get there, whether a recruiter helps you get there or somebody else. Now, are there times where you don't have all the skills, but you can transfer over? Sure but I don't want you just to rely upon that because mm -hmm. it's harder. Is it impossible? No, but it's harder if you're looking for a certain kind of job and you really don't possess those core ingredients, 
you're going uphill and it could lead to a lot of disappointment, a lot of frustration because you're going to think I'm so awesome. Why aren't they giving me this job? I don't get it. And it's in reality, and this is where ghosting, this, this is where they all connect. This is where ghosting comes in because they're not going to get back to you and tell you and say, Hey, Jack, I know you told me about yourself. You're a compliance recruiter, but this job we're, 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 we're working on is for a, someone in the music industry. And it, we really want someone who is in the music industry. I thank you. I, and I appreciate you do that, but why are we going to pay you what you're going to make over here do what you do when we want over here? Uh, we might as well get somebody, you know what I mean? Who could do it. So yeah. that's a, that's, and I think that's a big pain point for people at times because they feel, and I can't blame it. I can't tell you how many people over the years I've spoken with who would be like, yeah, but I can do this job. And you know what? They could. And I know they could because they're smart. You know, they went to great schools. They're great people. They're, 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 they have fantastic interpersonal skills, but the company wants what the company wants and they don't have those skills. So it leads to a lot of frustration because they, don't, they can't wrap their head around like, why can't I get that job because I'm so awesome. And even though they, they are, my, you know, they may be Harvard graduates, Yale Law School, but it doesn't fit what they want. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, it's a long-winded answer, Lisa, for your question. It's really about each individual. And then if you could really match up your background, your experiences, your talent stack with the job, then you have a way better chance of making that happen as opposed to chasing things that you really don't have the background for and then getting discouraged when they're not picking you up because they're looking for people who could do that. Now, in a hot, hot job market, it's a little different because companies would be way more open because they need the talent. Pre-COVID, mm -hmm. it was really hot. Post, you know, during COVID, it's different. It's harder. Mm -hmm. And that's why, if anything, I'm, I overemphasize with people how challenging it is because they need to gear up for that and be mentally prepared. Um, I'm optimistic, by the way. I think once we get the vaccines rolled out, once you know, once we get enough people inoculated, I think, I think things will boom again. I think it'd be like, you know, turning on a switch almost because a lot of the people who are hurt were like in the travel, in the hotels, hospitality. But once we could kind of have face-to-face -face interactions, once we could have large gatherings, there's no reason why we shouldn't just pop right back up. Mm -hmm. so, so I think even though some of the things I'm saying, I know people are listening, like, it's like, uh, you know, cause most people just want to hear Let's be honest. Most people want to hear, you got this. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. You go, you got this. You know, just be yourself and you get the job. But that was what leads to like the, those hurt feelings and anger and it doesn't work because that's, it makes you feel good. Sure. It makes you feel good, but that doesn't really give you the good, to, the tools that you need to succeed. Mm -hmm. I love your optimism. I appreciate that. And I think you're giving our dear listener kind of a really balanced look as far as, yes, there are going to be times where, it might be a little bit easier to just find a job because everything's running at full yes. speed. And right now we're not in that case yet, but we are gradually moving in that direction. Let's, let's hope that stays, Absolutely. stays the course. And, that, and that's, this is um, not under the heading of recruiting, but just, just, just some advice to, to people is uh, just hang in there and be strong. Even, even if you're in a bad space now, even if you feel you've hit the pandemic wall, even if you're going through job search fatigue and you feel nothing is going to work out, don't trust me. Don't give up. Don't give up. It's going to change because it always does. It always does. You know, I, you know, lived, I lived in New York and I have two young kids during 9-11. And I, I literally think, think, think how, how crazy this is, right? 
I had my daughter was just born, right? And we're in this apartment and and I'm watching on TV the buildings where I place people literally fall down, literally crumbling down. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to place people when they the buildings literally fell down? You, you couldn't even process it mentally. Yeah. But you know what? Five, six, seven years later, it's it's back to business. You have the financial crisis in 2008 by 2011, 12, you know what? Kind of gets a distant memory. And I think that's going to happen the same thing here is that when we're in the middle of it, it seems horrible. It seems terrible. It seems it'll never end, but it will because it always does. And we'll move forward. And, 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 and for the people who are you know, looking for a job, trying to advance your career, don't let this get to you. Don't let it beat you down. Don't let it defeat you because this is a temporary thing. Your career is going to last a lifetime. And this is just a short-term blip. Because think about, it. let's say this takes another six months. Six months in a lifetime, we all live longer now. You know, you see these people living to 100. So let's say you're living to 80. Six months for 80 years, that's not a long time. Yeah. You can do it. You know, you just keep, keep, that, keep that fortitude, keep that positive mental outlook, keep moving forward, don't get discouraged and, and when you get through it. And then before you know it, things will be great. Love Powerful, it. yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Jack. Jack, we have some questions that we like to ask of all of our guests that come sure. on the show. Lisa is going to kick this one off. Yeah. So we want to make sure that people aren't taking their careers too seriously. So what would you say is the most fun that you've had in your career so far? The thing I enjoy most is helping people. It sounds corny, but there's a really cool feel. There's like, like such an amazing high if you get somebody who's miserable in their job hate their job, hate their boss. And sometimes bosses are so cruel, just so cruel and hate them. And then you get them a better job, more money and time goes on. And like, before you know it, you play somebody, I'll make up numbers. You know, maybe they're making $50,000, you know, five, six years go by and they're making 400,000. They're happy and, and their spouse is happy and they get to have a bigger house and take the vacations they want. You're like, oh my God, that's like the best feeling in the world that you really had a part in, in helping somebody improve their life. Um, now, I'm not gonna say it's because of me, but I, I was just one small part of their whole plan and I feel honored to be part of that whole plan. And that's just an amazing feeling. It really is. It's such a cool, cool feeling where you just, you know, in your heart, you made a big difference in somebody's life. And you made a, a you know, not only their life, because then everybody, because, you know, if you're in a crappy mood, you're going to take everybody else around you feels it and you bring them all down. But conversely, if you're in a good mood and you're upbeat, it's contagious and, and it gets everybody the same way. So if that person is in a bad head and a bad job, everyone around them is miserable. And then when they get that, everybody's feeling better. So yeah, so that's, that's, that's to me really cool. Hmm. Love it. Amazing. What would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken in your career and how did it turn out? I've taken a lot of risks. Um, um, one of the risks that I didn't take, which I am so angry about is buying Bitcoin. So <laughs> that's a very sore topic because Early on, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very salty on this because I play some, I play some people working at Bitcoin. I was like, hey, maybe we should take the fee in Bitcoin. But then everyone's telling me, ah, oh, no, this goes back a long time. You know, just they're all money launderers, they're all this, that, and I was like, all right, I don't want to get involved with that. You know, guy who runs a compliance recruiting firm, like that's the last thing you want to do. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's something, you know, like, like you know, and we imagine the headlines; it would be so embarrassing. So 
yeah, that was, that was like a failure to do something. Like, you know what I mean? For not to take action. But then I look at it and go, hey, if I did it, would I still hold on to it 10 plus years later? What are the odds of that? Um, a big risk was a big risk was take was starting a company. That was a big risk because you know I never ran a company. I, you know I was a partner at another at a search firm, and um, the guy I work with, um, how can I put this politely? Well, it was someone who enough to make me say, "Hey, let me start my own company," <laughs> and and it's scary because you have two young kids. This is also right around nine eleven. So things were really bad. But then I was like, you know what? It's so bad. It can't get much worse. Let me take a shot. And then I lucked out because here in the States, and to a certain degree with Canada too, there were so many scandals and issues that it just took off like a rocket. And, and it was like, oh my God, you know, the timing was perfect. So, so the time I really perfected my craft and now knew what I was really doing there was just so many jobs, so many opportunities. It was just amazing. It was awesome. It was awesome. So, so it went from being afraid to do something, but I still did it because it was scary. I even remember my dad at the time telling me, like, what are you doing? You're making a great living. You're making a lot of money. Why are you going to take that risk? And I was like, I just, I got to do it. I just, there's something, if I don't, I'm always going to get, I'm always going to feel, I'm always going to feel like cheating myself. And I would have always been resentful. And I always said, what would have happened if I did it? And yeah. Sounds, like the, sounds like the bigger risk was not doing it. it. Sometimes that is, right? Like, like sometimes you just got to take that chance. You don't want to take crazy chances, but sometimes, you know, you got to take the risk. Because that also give you the other side. In recruiting, a lesson I've learned, and this, this, this I think will help a lot of people, is as a society, we are adverse to failure. You know, you, you, you know. You don't say, hey, Jack, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I failed today, <laughs> right? You know, it's like, you know, hey, Jack, how are you? I'm great, I'm wonderful, everything's fantastic. But with recruiting, you fail way more often than you succeed, way more, you can't even, way more. I could call, you know, like right now, it's hard finding people to get jobs during COVID because if you have a job, you're a little leery to move because you're like, hey, it's safe, I'm working at home, I'm, let me just stay. So I could speak, I could just get in touch with like 30 people and get 30 no's. No, thank you. Um, the younger version of me would be like, oh my God, <laughs> this is terrible. But then you realize oh, that's okay because eventually something will click. It's a numbers game. As long as you keep trying, as long as you're in the game, as long as you keep moving forward and you have that momentum, it'll kick, it'll kick it. And so for the people who are listening and watching it, that, 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 that holds across the board. So yeah, you could be sending resumes, not here back, sending an application, not here back, but you don't give up. You keep trying. And if it doesn't work with resumes, then you find somebody at the company that you know, or someone you know at the company. So maybe they could put a good word for you. So you just keep trying. And each time it doesn't work, don't look at it as a failure. Look at it away. Let's, oh, okay, this happened. What can I learn from it? How can I make it better? How can I improve myself? And, and how can I get to the next level? Because, you know, because so many people, and I'm sure you get, you know, as career coaches, you hear this all the time, like they'll kick themselves and what I did wrong and what I should have done. And, and instead of just saying, Hey, okay, this happened. I could, you know, maybe I could have improved this and I'm going to work on it and I'm going to practice, you know, whatever it is, you know, and then maybe I'm just spending too much time sending out application. That's not what happened. I should spend more time trying to network and find out who's working at all these companies that I really want to work at. 
and and find who could kind of put a good word for me and change it up so it's amazing right like the power Mm -hmm. of your response right it's something happens that you probably couldn't control an event and there's an outcome on the other side of it somewhere and what's between the event and the outcome is is what you did in between right yeah and it's okay to get mad at yourself every once in a while it's okay to you know throw things and you know, have a little mm-hmm. temper tantrum to get out of your system, mm-hmm. but then that's it. You got, then you got to stop and move forward. Say, okay, done with that. Now move forward. Um, and it happens to everybody. And see, here's the secret too. You know what? People always like talking about their wins, but don't talk about their losses. So if you don't know any better, you're just going to hear everybody bragging about all the cool stuff they do and the cool job they got and how they got this job, but they're not going to say, oh, I got the job because, you know, my uncle runs the company. So he got me in there. You know, they're just going to say, oh no, I got this great job, <laughs> you know? The, they don't say all the negatives. So you just think everybody's having this cool, easy life. But, but for someone who's speaking to thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the years, it doesn't really, you know, yeah, yeah you definitely get the people who catch the breaks. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. most people don't. Most people have to keep trying. And, and, and you can't look at other folks and say, oh my gosh, I'm the same year as this person who I graduated. Look what they're doing. Look what I am. Don't compare yourself to them. It'll just drive you out of your mind. Because you don't know what happened. Sometimes it's just luck. I got to tell you, sometimes it's luck. They were in the right place, right time, right circumstances, it all kicked in. It doesn't mean they're better than you. It doesn't mean they're, they're, they're you know, always going to be better than you right here, right now. They, they may be lucked into it and you didn't right now. But six months from now, maybe you catch that break. And all of a sudden, then you just go right past that other person. Yeah. Jack, you have shared a lot of really interesting <laughs> career insights yeah. on, this, uh, on this call. And maybe you already answered this next question, yeah. but like, what's the best piece of career advice you've ever received? You know what? I don't know if I really received any great advice to be, to be honest, seriously. Uh, I got really bad advice all over the place. So, but I could give some good advice. Go ahead. Well, we won't stop. Okay. You. Here's, I'll give you some good advice. Um, and this is not me. This is common, you know, stuff. It's not me saying it. What you want to do is this. You know, the people say, pursue your passion. You got to do that. What you want to do is, you, you, you know, you want to look at it like you have that Venn diagram with the concentric circles. What am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? But then also what I can make a living at. And then you find that sweet spot. And that's kind of where you could kind of find your direction. Because if you don't like what you're doing and it pays money, you could always be miserable and unhappy. If you love what you're doing, but it doesn't pay, you're going to be miserable and unhappy. If you're not good at it, but you're forcing yourself to do it because your parents tell you you should do that, society tells you you should do that, you know, and your friends are all doing it, and you know you should also, you know, go into tech or investment banking, but you don't have your heart in it, it's not going to work out. So you want to find that combination that works where you know you can make a living, you know you're happy, and you know you have the skills to do it because then it's not really work because then you're doing something you like, you're something you're good at. You spend more time doing it. So if you spend more time doing it, you get better at it. And if you get better at it, you get more confidence. People sense that confidence and gravitate towards you. They'll give you job offers. They'll give you promotions. And it becomes self-fulfilling. Where conversely, if you're doing something because your parents feel you should be a lawyer, you should be an accountant, or you should do whatever, and you really don't want to do it, it's like driving with the brake Mm -hmm. on. Can you succeed? Yeah, but it's going to be much harder. So for career advice, for people starting out, I think that's a good way to start what you like to do, what you're good at, what can make, what can make you some money. And I don't mean to be crass, but t- take it from an older guy. 
it comes, it may not seem like much, but yeah, that's something you just have to consider. You want to make sure that you're not doing something and you love doing it. And then you realize five years later, you can't make any money. You can't pay your student loans back. You can't get a house. Now you can't get married and have kids because you don't have the money for it. And, it, and it's not good. So you really, it's important. Totally. It's crass, but it's, it's just the reality that, that you have to focus on. And if you do that, that's, that's, a, that's a starting point. You know, that's a start, starting point. And then from there, you can build on it and figure the exact kind of job, exact kind of career. But at least, you, you know, in my opinion, you're heading in the right direction. Cool. Great advice. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Where can people find out more about you and the work you're doing, Jack? So, oh, LinkedIn. I do a lot on LinkedIn. So you can see Jack Kelly at LinkedIn. Um, check me out on Forbes. You, know, you can just go to Jack, you know, you can put in Google Jack Kelly Forbes. And I write like a lunatic because... Uh, here's what happens when you're, when you have two college age kids and you're in lockdown, you have nothing but work to do, like, cause there's nothing really else to do. So, so I write a lot. I do, you know, do things like this because, um, yeah, other, other, just watching Netflix. So, so yeah. yeah. So you can find me on Forbes. You can find me on LinkedIn, check out recruiter. Um, if you're in my niche for compliance, check out compliance search and, uh, yeah. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. It has been an amazing conversation with you, Jack. Thank you so much for your time this evening. I know this is going to help a lot of people for the career builders podcast. I'm Mike bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Jack Kelly, check him out. Wecruiter.com. He is helping job seekers and making the game of recruitment more humane. We need more stories like that in the world. We hope you're well, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now. Hey, dear listener, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Career Builders Podcast. If you love the show and want to help us spread our message further and reach new listeners, would you consider leaving a rating and review of TCBP on Apple Podcasts? Without a doubt, your help would be much appreciated. On behalf of Lisa and myself, thanks, and we'll catch you again next week. Bye for now.